Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. For season two of Style Stories, I want to get out of the house, but find a place where I still felt at home, like Lucio's, the iconic Italian restaurant known for its colour and charm. My guests tip their hat to Lucio's by seasoning their stories with a taste of art, food and family, but always bringing to the table their unique sense of style. And in order to take advantage of our beautiful surroundings, we've also filmed every episode. So if you're hungry for a little more style stories, watch the whole interview at madelinepark.co. Today, I'm chatting to Evie O award-winning book designer and self-taught artist. Originally from Indonesia, Evie cut her teeth in design in the Sydney food publishing world, gaining a reputation for her clean-cut aesthetic and balanced designs. She creates the kind of work that makes you smile and it's this sense of ease and joy that she brings to her personal style, preferring effortless pieces and paired back colour palettes. Tailoring to Evie's easygoing style, I've styled her in PE Nation track pants and an old favourite bomber jacket of her own. I've kept it a little street while adding a bit of shine with a vintage chain necklace available at madelinepark.co. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Evie's story. Hi Evie. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Um, I, when I was looking um, for people to come into season two, I came across uh, your beautiful work. And unbeknownst to me at the time, we um, knew a lot of the same people and have worked with a few of the same people, including Bryony Fitzgerald, who is also another guest of season two. Um, but in kind of getting to know a bit about who you are, I um, could quickly see that you were a girl of my own heart. And one of the things that kind of struck me um, as something that we would connect with is the fact that you're very close to your grandmother as and, um, and she's been a big inspiration for you um, and that you're her favourite. <laughs> <laughs> As I was with my grandmother, Absolutely. who's since passed, but um, I, uh, I I could connect with you on that without even meeting you. So starting off, what I want to know is um, how did your grandmother influence you and your creativity as a kid? Well, Grandma was born in nineteen twenty nine in Indonesia in a town called Pasuruan, I think. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, somewhere in East Java, really small town, quite poor family. And, you know, she was born under Dutch colonial times before it went into like, you know, Japanese colonial time, English colonial time before, yeah. you know, Independence Day and Indonesia became a, um, a, its own country. And then there's also all this like civil unrest throughout her life. And, you know, like I thought, he's the she's, she's the first of, Five. Mm-hmm. So she she went to Dutch school, loved it, but then she had to stop going to school because she's you know she had to help um, the family work. Right. That's also because my grand grandpa passed away quite young. Right. So from the I, I guess from a young age she's she's been through a lot. Mm. 
and she's gone through a lot in her life as well. Like my grandpa passed away quite young as well. She's got four children. She ran a business, um, a, a really funny um, fashion shop in Pasuruan. Um, oh, there you go. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, there you go. But like, you know, she, she, she's gone through so much, but she's the most happy person. Right. Like the most positive person that I know. And she, she will be, you know, usually you grew up and you have, you know, oh, this is your favorite aunt or uncle because, you know, they let you be naughty. Yeah. Grandma was that for me. Right, and, okay. Um, I was the only um, granddaughter for her for a while. So I had, um, so I have a, a, a cousin, yeah, a boy, and then another cousin, a boy as well. And then my brother came and then, you know, Nadia, the youngest one in the whole um my Oma, that's what I call my grandma's yeah. clan, um, arrived. But we, I guess we bonded as two women or two girls. Like, I don't think she's a woman or a lady. She's totally <laughs> a girl. Like, we bonded even though we went through different things. And I think um, throughout my life, especially with a milestone um, time, like, say, you know, choosing what to study at uni or, like, even, I don't know, choosing the right shoes or something, she would be the one that's always like, follow your heart, do whatever you want. You gotta be happy. And, yeah. And you know, I, I knew she was special since day one. But like, being at my age now, I'm 34, by the way. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, she knew so much, and yeah. she hasn't changed. And I don't know. Like, her outlook of life is not time related or t- t- or traditional at all because you know Indonesia is quite a traditional country mm. and my parents are like oh that's not good there but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so I guess that's that's why I guess grandma so, is such an inspiration because of the way she looks at life yeah, yeah. and yeah. so and, and it's funny because often mm. you're artwork and your design work um is considered playful mm. and happy mm. um were you a, like a cheeky happy little kid or were you introverted and that kind of came out later yeah I would say I'm an extrovert introvert yeah. when I was young like I, I guess like I've, I've always you know I have a ha- happy happy childhood like yeah. there's nothing better I could say about you know my childhood or my past um I guess yeah. I was I was always cheeky. Like I was, I'm always stu- like I'm still very stubborn. But yeah, like I was always <laughs> stubborn. Like um, the famous family story would be like me put. I was three years old apparently, and I was putting on a, a hunger strike because <laughs> mum wouldn't let me wear jeans. She wanted me in a dress, and I'm like, nah, not gonna eat, not gonna move. And right. apparently my face turned pale, and everyone freaked out. And, yeah. Yeah, so so you you yeah, you went yeah. by that. So yeah. hunger for fashion, hey? Hunger for fashion. Yeah. See, I told you, started early. Um, but yeah, and then I guess teenage time, you know, I just became a bit quieter. Right. Um, and then I don't know, I just blossomed into a, uh, I don't know, noisy person, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. was was the jeans hunger strike your kind of first? memory of a relationship to fashion or it's yeah and I think I know I I might just be making this up but it could also be maybe a stance on feminism like the whole you know being a boy being a girl is such a thing in in Indonesia I'm not sure about Australia I'm sure there is that on on a degree but like over there it's like girls wear dresses boys wear pants girls play with dolls boys play with trucks like the same thing but I think um I hung out a lot with boys when when I was uh, well I still do now yeah and I was a real tomboy yeah um, short hair and all that um, and I guess I was like why do I have to wear a dress because I'm a girl nah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I know 
not really cheeky. Yeah. But I think grandma kind of told me that in that, like, why would, you know, why do you have to think that you're different? Yeah. yeah. So she was a progressive mm. thinker. And she, yeah. And she treated um, all her children and grandchildren the same. Yeah. Well, not me, because I'm her favourite. Yeah. Obviously, I got special treatments. Yeah. I was the only girl yeah. in uh, the list of grandchildren as well. Mm. And um, I, it, my grandmother, like yours, had kind of gone through a lot. She'd left um, an island in Greece like that was war-torn and kind of mm. came out on a boat on her own. And uh, But I, I already love your Uma, <laughs> knowing yeah. that I like just knowing my relationship with yeah. my grandmother yeah. and just how special those mm. women are. Mm. Um, so, in terms of uh, your creativity as mm. a kid, what was your when were you kind of showing outlets for being creative, and how did that express itself in you? Mm. I guess I was always attracted to drawing, even though I'm, I'm not a good drawer. I, I'm still not a good drawer now. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe Oma did tell me all that. That like we used to make little paper boats and we would create stories. And right. she was she, she actually was the first person who pushed me to study another language, English, okay. by giving me her books. Right. And some of them probably were too adult for me, but she didn't care anyway. She's like, just read this. And yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, when did you when did you come to Australia? How, you were did you come to study or? Um. So yeah. So two thousand and three. I was seventeen. I was at my last fi- my final year of school, right. like in Indo. But in Indo, you had to choose a. St- stream of three um like science social or art right obviously i wanted to do art and yeah. my parents were like no way like you're smart enough to do science you gotta take science so i did but i'm like nah i hate this and in indo at the end of school there is this like really scary exam mm-hmm. and i'm just like i don't want to do it i yeah. don't want to like spend another year like studying things i hate i mean i love i still love my school friends but it's not enough for me to just like torture myself going to school and just learn about stuff I'm not interested in. Were um, you still, um, like, at, when you were at school, were you uh, still kind of hanging with the boys uh, <laughs> and, you know, wearing your jeans mm. and fairly androgynous mm. in terms of how you dressed yourself? Mm, I think someone was um, was asking me this recently, like, oh, what would be your high school stereotype? And I'll yeah. be like... Queen of Misfits. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you do have your close friends and your group of friends, but I was yeah. kind of, like, hanging with, not, like, closely, but, like, I sort of hang out with everyone for different reasons. Like, I was in a band, you know, I was yeah. the token guitarist girl. Yeah. Um, and what else? I, 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 w- I didn't do much sports because I'm really bad. That's another dream that got crushed yeah. really What, early. music? No sports. Oh, sports, sorry. you know, I was like, tomboy. Yeah. Boy. Nah, I'm shit at it. But yeah. like, yeah, music. Um, so I was hanging with the boys. That I guess there were not that many girl band people in my school. Um, yeah, still a tomboy. Still yeah. a tomboy now. So when we were preparing for our interview, um, you know, you were saying in terms of the styling piece, mm. you were saying you kind of, you don't mind a bit of a street look. Did yeah. that kind of start with, you know, in, when in your uh, music band playing days <laughs> a, a, <laughs> as a teenager or well, is that 
just a fascination that's kind of grown? <laughs> well, it's quite funny during that band era and actually early days of my um, time in Australia. So yeah, so didn't finish school, was in a band and told mom I want to study art and she's like, no way. I'm like, okay, I'll move to architecture. Maybe she's like, yeah, cool. And then architecture turned into um, interior design, turned into graphic design. Right. But around that time and around early days of uni, I was, I dressed really punk. Right. Like skinny, you know, skinny bottom. Um, yeah. Um, sleeveless things, bit ripped here and there. Chains, still yeah. wear chains, different. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, the, cha- I, the chain I picked out for you today is, like a little bit straight, yeah, you know, yeah. it's transferable, yeah. but yeah. You, yeah. And then you start getting a job and you can't look too punky and yeah. you're like, well, just, you know, calm down a bit, still wear blacks and all that all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I, it's, I, I guess the style has changed, but it's a stream, I guess. Like I don't really, you know, dress up big or like look very elegant most of the time. <laughs> so you went into graphic design mm. um, through your studies and that's when you came to Australia through your study. Yeah, so studying in Australia has always been on the card. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I guess it's it's a bit of a trend back then. Oh, I'm, I still think it is probably now in that like, you know, as a middle class family you in, in an Asian country, like in Indonesia, mm. you might want to send your children overseas so they could see, you know, how different people and different culture works and all that. And that was exactly what um, what they thought it, it is. They didn't really expect me to stay here and not come back. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was it. Yeah. Studied design for four years at UTS. Yeah. And then got a job at Penguin Books. My one and only job stayed there for eight and a half years. Kind yeah. Doing, you know, just learning what I can learn about publishing, and and now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know, I'm going rogue, just running my own thing, <laughs> whatever <laughs> this is. <laughs> um, so when you were at Penguin, mm. um, I think it was one of your bosses that said to you, when you uh, help design a book for an author, mm. you become like their midwife, and yeah. you help deliver their baby. Mm. How? Um, in all the books that you've mm. designed, how does each baby affect you or change you? Um, hmm. It, well, with books, I guess. And I guess that's why working in book publishing is so addictive in that every book you learn something new. Mm. Like whether it's... Because it's always a new subject. Yeah. Even though, like, it's the same. Two Italian cookbooks say, but, you know, one would have a different story to another and the cooking style might be different or whatever. So I guess with the babies, how does it... What was the question oh, again? Oh, I guess how does it change you or just even the relationship with the author? Mm. It's obviously quite... It becomes quite a profound relationship um, in that, you you know, you really have to get to know what they're yeah, trying to yeah. deliver. Yes and I know, because... Um, well, I am a midwife in the bookmaking, but yeah. also there are 10,000 other yes. midwives yeah, that in are the also process. working in the process. And I think that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. Like um, a book, you might get close to an author by doing a book, but then you might also got close with an editor or a publisher. So it's every, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, I guess it's case by case, book by book. Because sometimes, you know, working with a publishing house, you might not even meet meet the author yeah right yeah th- th- sometimes they like to keep things separate for whatever reasons but 
really good stories come out of publishing, I guess. Like one of my um, best authors is um, Jessica Elliott Dennison, and right. she's in Scotland. Okay. Um, when the job came in, I was like, whoa, cool book, cool people, um, will be a nice book. Little did I know, she actually is best friends with a friend of my, a friend of a friend of mine here in Sydney, oh, and right. it, it turns out that it's kind of like our story. We yes. we know this same group of people, yeah. and I met her for the first time at a friend's wedding earlier this year after two and a half years. It's just like. It, the world is so small. I, I know. Yeah. It becomes, as mm. I said, the, the, our little story of mm. like uh, finding you and your artwork mm. and knowing that it was recognisable and realising it's because I've seen it in yeah. Bryony's office and then realising that you've mm. then worked with Bryony mm. and um, Robert Plum and uh, yeah. Will Danger. It's... Um, and then Giuseppe, who's exactly. also working. But I guess, yeah, like, I guess if there's something I want to say about book publishing, is like life as an author is not that glamorous. Like, you know, book yes. publishing as an industry is like, quite a It's like fashion styling. It's like fashion styling. <laughs> I understand. Like, yes. every day it becomes, I'm not saying it becomes smaller, but, you know, we're competing with other things in terms of forms of entertainment. So people in book publishing, they usually work, oh, actually all people in book publishing, they work with hard. Yes. It's lovers. Yeah. Everything else comes second. And yeah. that's why it's such a happy industry and such a welcoming and warm industry because everyone loves what they do. Yeah. Even though they got get paid, you know, with glory. <laughs> <laughs> and trousers. <laughs> so you, you cut your teeth at Penguin and you obviously mm. worked um, on a lot, lot of cookbooks. Mm. You've designed a lot mm. of cookbooks and you, you have a relationship to Lucio's, don't you? Do you want to... Just explain oh, I was the there. connection. Yeah, I was there when I, I didn't really work on the book, but I was um, I was in. Well, I worked for the division that created the book. It's a um, it's a brand called Lantern. It's one of the imprint that Penguin Books have, and my ex boss Julie Gibbs, which I still you know I'm still so fond of it, and we yeah. still hang out. Um, she basically published every single food people you know in Australia mm. she ba- basically kind of started cookbook publishing in Australia I would say yeah um, you know when her first publication um, you know Stephanie Alexander's Cook's Companion yeah. was out it was Australia never had anything like that yeah. but anyway like as a young person young designer being thrown into that world of food luxury your mind just blew. I mean, I'm so bad at the kitchen, but I'm such a good eater. And yeah, I've yeah. eaten so many good stuff because of the job I had at Penguin. And, yeah, food is interesting. It's a language as well. I yeah, I was, yeah. That's, yeah, I wanted to get into that. Mm. So, actually, I think Julie um, is doing um, a project with the Powerhouse Museum yes. and has recently um, in interviewed yeah. Lucio for, for that mm. project. But... Um, that was my next question is, you know, working on all these cookbooks, mm. have you become a chef <laughs> <laughs> within yourself? No. no. <laughs> um, it, it's always been a, um, a bit of an inside joke in the office back then. still is now. Yeah. That, like, you just designed all these books, you ate really good food, yeah, yeah. but you can't cook, what the hell. And Julie's always like, I'm coming to your place one day, I'm going to make you do this, this and that. Yeah. It hasn't happened, but yeah. that's probably because I keep saying, like, let's just do it at your place because she's such an amazing cook and <laughs> yeah, I always, yeah. I'm always fed well. <laughs> Was your grandmother a cook in your house? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's really good. But yeah. my mom my mom cooked for necessity. Yes. So it wasn't such a big thing in our um, 
family, I guess, cooking. But yeah. now, uh, I'll say like the past year, I've taken it up. Yeah. I have like a few repertoire that's like, can, can, I can perfect it now. Is but it more contemporary or like traditional to your family? Or? Mm, it's just food I like. like yeah, right. A bit of Italian, a bit of Japanese. Yeah. Um, and that's it, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm not a good um, cook, not chef, but I get that food as, you know, food is a language. And it, it, it's so true. Like, there's so much history into making a dish. Even mm. even now, I, I mean, it's not that we can go out now because of the situation. But, like, if I could choose now, I'd rather have someone cook for me, someone I know cook for me. Yeah. And feed me rather than going out even. Like, yeah. I find that more special. Yeah, well, it is a. It definitely is a gesture. I, I I enjoy cooking, and I do feel like when you're cooking for your family, mm. and I guess this is something that my grandmother gave me. But mm. um, you know, it is a gesture of love, mm. and you know, uh, I know that like I like to cook for my husband when he comes home from work because he works really long hours and yeah. um, he works really hard, and I feel like that's kind of my daily yeah. like love language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it also like anything tells a story, you mm. know, like um, especially like Lucio's, uh, his mm. menu tells a story. It tells a story of the seasons. It mm. tells a story of his history. Yeah. Um, and so, and and it, it I guess it's that thing that you're talking about in terms of a happiness. Mm. It, it's your way of being able to make mm. somebody else happy. So, yeah. yeah, it's always lovely when someone cooks for you. Yes. Um, in terms of storytelling, I know that you've said that good design offers um, storytelling to the reader. Yes. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, I guess. Okay, so depends. Where, I'm just trying to think of a good case study. Like, Because um, I guess with design, people just think on a fairly surface level that it's just a visual happiness like it just mm. makes you happy and mm. or not not makes you happy but you know like it makes Pleasing. things pretty yeah. yeah or like appealing and all that it gains attention but really like if you look deeper into it it's actually it's it's a study on like I guess psychology in mm. a lot of things because like um, you got to understand what you're trying to communicate and you try to communicate it through visuals and a classic example is probably um drawing a tomato or an apple because like I, I oh, my art is quite abstract um the studio's um design style is also sometimes quite abstract and mm-hmm. we would draw a shape and it could could be an apple or a tomato or a whatever but then you see that and you see food mm-hmm. so so I guess yeah it, it it's, it's a bit hard to say but um even with like choosing a style of design or choosing a color palette and all that you can evoke different feelings and enhance, you know, different stories and and yeah, storytelling. It's all about the details and we always try as designers to first of course like to make an appealing product but also, you know, inject all this uniqueness that each um client or each author has and, and that's kinda like the joy of mm, doing design, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So if that applies to design, what do your what story do your clothes, what you wear, tell right. about you? <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a very like lazy person in yeah. a lot of ways. Um and I dress it has to be comfortable first. I yeah. think it's it maybe it's like a little bit of a personal manifestation, isn't it? Like um I go through 
Well, I, I've, I had gone through a few different styles, you know. I, when I was young, I dressed in black quite a lot. Mm. When I say young, it's like 17 years old. Yeah. It was quite funny. Um, and then it stayed on for a bit. And then I went into this like really um, big love affair with colors. And I was wearing colors um, okay. a lot. Um, in terms of shape, they're always quite basic, I guess. Like... I, Oh, not really. There were some crazy pieces. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had that. What's one of the crazy pieces? This is probably one of the not-so-crazy, colourful pieces, which is telling Still a lot. muted, though. Like the, it's yeah, not... but then it's like, oh, it's like... Oh, oh reversible. Than... Yeah, that's so, like, impressive. So, like, yeah. I quite yeah. like them. <laughs> Craftsmen, I quite like them. Like, um, you know, like, if it's, like, sewn well, cut well made of good materials like mm. quality i like um wearing quality i guess so, yeah um um personal and style yeah and then i now i'm back in into like the whole monochromatic black and white yeah um, kind of thing and i don't know why is it just because i want to simplify my life like you know with life as well you go through um phases of exploration i guess and mm. i guess you know i've explored color and i thought like oh, i'm just gonna go back to basic for a bit yeah but then now i guess I'm more interested in shapes yeah, um, and get things really tailored to your size because my size is a bit weird and it's really hard to find uh, where right I don't know that anybody's size right? or shape yeah. is not weird yeah, because yeah, we're yeah, all yeah. human. Mm. <laughs> um, so, the, you know, there's no standard sizing. Mm. But getting back to colour, your, obviously your artwork and even your design work mm. is kind of known for... Um, beautiful, uh, bold colour palettes. Mm. How do you reconcile, like, your kind of monochromatic uh, phase now to the work that you're producing? What relationship do they have with each other, if any? I guess maybe maybe it is actually my resistance to keep working. (laughs) No, I'm joking, (laughs) but, like, maybe because there's so much colour and there's so much happening in a day. Yeah. Like, even... Even sometimes I still get into that, like, oh, what am I going to wear today? I have nothing in my wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it is perhaps, like, a response to that. Like, a, you know, like, maybe that's, like, one less thing that I need to worry about, knowing mm. that any top and any bottom in the wardrobe would work together. Yeah. So maybe it's that. Like, even, um, yeah, like, back to, like, choosing cuts and all that. Like, mm. I know, oh, yeah, high-waisted is probably my thing. So just buy high-waisted stuff and not buy anything else yeah so 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 i know like the short or long tops will always work like i know it sounds really boring and practical isn't it yeah (laughs) (laughs) at least you've gone through a colorful phase yeah yeah and i still have colorful pieces in my wardrobe although i'm thinking of a big wardrobe clear out yeah yeah. what what is there because in trying to find kind of um, styled images of mm. yourself and mm. to get my head around what your kind of vibe was mm. before the interview and before the styling session. There wasn't there, there wasn't much of you not just in pure black. Yes, <laughs> and exactly. The, <laughs> the only other colour that, you know, I could find you in was red. And yeah. so I was, do you have an affinity for red is there, and is there a reason for that? I have an affinity with blue since I was a child. Oh, Yeah. But that's not that, like, you know, that really crazy electric blue. Like a cobalt blue, like yeah. in the painting yeah, behind exactly. you. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't always work on me. Yeah. Weirdly red just looks good. But yeah, yeah you're right. I, I tend, um, hmm, 
Yeah, I don't know why rats taste. I think I do know why. It's it's a bit personal. Like I think um, peop you know, people in the past like rat. But yeah, I never thought about it. But you're right. Even um, when I was pilfering my wardrobe, there's a lot of red. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what is with, with this red thing? But maybe I do look good in is red. Is it, sorry, you were saying it's a personal thing? Perhaps. Yeah. Like my ex really like red. But right. I don't think I, I, I was dressing for him or anything. It's just like, it just happened like my favorite snake tea, like shirt is in red. Yeah. And I guess but red looks great with blood. Yeah. Or with anything. It's kind of like a safe I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like a general color. Is it's not black. I know. Yeah. But it kind of works with everything. I think it's the neutral. thing when you're if it suits you, oh. you it reinforces mm. your um, joy with it. So because mm. I, well, I actually was thinking about this question, and thinking like I was going to ask you it, and I haven't asked people about specific mm. colors before, and I was thinking how would I answer that question? And I have an affinity with blue, mm. and a whole kind of yeah. back cupboard of yeah. reasons why that is. Yeah. But one of the most base reasons is that, um, you know, it it, it offers compliments to me. Mm. When I wear blue, people compliment me. Yeah. me. So at a very yeah. base level, that's kind of <laughs> why it reinforces so the, the behaviour. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah there, there's many more reasons for me. But, yeah, mm. it's... Um, and that's that's like that's why you wear high waisted pants. You wear you you, and I think there's something totally acceptable mm. about choosing things that suit you. Mm. Um, Sorry, I'm just like I, I'm still thinking about the whole yeah. red thing as well. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I don't know. Maybe red and blue, they kind of contrast but work so well together, and it's yeah. kind of like the studio color as well. Yeah. Although having said that, I don't dress to my studio colour. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> is it? Do you think it's the that primary thing? Like mm. you know, the just the primary colours. It's just basic and it's bold, I guess. Yeah. So another thing that I was thinking about in terms of you know looking at your aesthetic, mm. um, I if I had to describe you before mm. meeting you and kind mm. of getting to know you a bit, I would have described your aesthetic as uh, a mix of street meets. Um, Japanese yeah. cleanliness, yeah. you know, and even in your artwork, I can see mm. clean, neat mm. lines that, for me, kind of echo a Japanese aesthetic. Mm. It, and you mentioned before that you influenced by um, something Japanese earlier in the, our conversation. You, you you referenced Japanese food. Um, oh yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. So is is J Japan a big kind of source of influence for you? I, aesthetically as well as um, in your work? Um, yes, to a certain degree. Like, um, I, I never really, like, back then, Japan was never a thing that I really wanted to go or explore or mm. understand because I just thought, oh, everyone else loved Japan. Why would I need to go to Japan? I'll just yeah. go to India. Yeah. And nobody wanted to go to India with me because it, it was during that really chaotic time and India was going through like really unusual time and it was a bit dangerous for a young lady. So, someone, um, <laughs> so that made you want to go. <laughs> no, and then I was just like dying for a holiday and um, the other option was Japan. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I just really needed to escape. And I arrived there, and I'm like, mm, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a it's a country that's full of um, history in terms of art and culture and design. Mm. And you just, they, they just appreciate the little things. And I guess, 
I realized it's you know they've they've got something they've nailed simplicity mm-hmm. and nailing simplicity is actually very complex. Yeah, and that kind of taught me some stuff, I guess. Yeah, and and I it's, guess but it explains a lot in terms of mm, both the way you dress and mm, your creative, creative work. Exactly, like I think. Um, it looks like sometimes maybe my art looks lazy because it's just like three lines done but like you know like there's a lot of thoughts and um, process going through it that perhaps I don't want people to know because I just want to present this is the final piece yeah. if it makes you laugh or smile or be happy the work's done really yeah. so yeah and I do I do love my Japanese designers because they fit me quite well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do good cuts and good materials yeah so now you you've got your studio mm. with your little band of girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and from what I can see do you, you are all kind of similar in terms of your aesthetic. Mm. Is that fair to say? It is and not because you probably have only seen our, you know, press photos yeah, where we yeah. try to dress like silly girl band yeah yeah um, <laughs> you do look like a girl band <laughs> it was intentional yeah yeah <laughs> um i guess we appreciate the same aesthetic or i guess the same values in design like you know we we all like simplicity we all like colors we all like um um system mm-hmm. so you know when you create books that are like really nerdy columns and all that like we appreciate all those technicals yeah um but I think within each of us, there's like, you know, each 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 band member mm. brought different things to the band and that's yeah. what makes the studio. And even though my name's on it, sometimes I feel like I really should change it because it's not just me. But of course, like I can't just change it because I don't know why. Um, but it's quite funny. Let's go back to food because it's actually a language that we use a lot in the studio. Yeah. Everyone except for me. So there are four of us. Mm. Me, Susan, who's been there since day one. Yeah. Um, Nicole, um, and Kate and Henry, the Whippet. All of <laughs> all of them, except for me and the Whippet, can cook really well. Okay. So they is, like, that, is that why you hired them? <laughs> so they can so cook they got, for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it is quite cute because like um, you know, like come eleven AM they would just like chatter about, you know, what to eat and mm. then, you know, come three PM they're like what what will we have for dinner? What yeah. would you cook? And and it's a constant thing. Yeah. And I think, I guess, it's quite it's quite funny because it, it is such a normal thing and everyone does it. Mm. But it's such a culture, isn't it? Right. Food. Yeah. 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 And so and that kind of binds well. you all together. Yeah. Mm, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're designing they still have cookbooks. Their job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got these girls in your studio and you know yes the studio is named after you but do you um uh, and you're the what do you say you're the chief evo yeah <laughs> I, I, I tend to joke we, we i tend love to that joke it's a lot. so yeah, cute like, <laughs> okay when, when i first started the studio i never thought that you know i mean i sort of had an inclination of growing yeah but i never planted because one i'm i'm most of the time scared of commitments yeah. and you know like I guess taking someone in into your workplace and having to be responsible for them as a business owner is quite scary mm. I don't know maybe I'm just a scared person but anyway um, um we're just talking about you being yeah. at the helm of it yeah but and like I think um, 
when I when it was just me and Suzu, and then Nicole came, and the clients were sort of they're confused. Who's who are they? Because yeah. in the beginning I was kind of like, let's not worry about titles because it's true. Everyone does everything. Like yeah. it's not like a company where you have assigned role and that's just what you do. Yeah. Like everyone does design, but then everyone kind of chip in with anything they're interested in. Like for example, because I'm such a chaotic person and I have no system, Susan created system. Right. And you know, like her title is a senior designer, but she also does other things and Nicole does other things and all that and Kate as well. But um, yeah, like the clients started to get confused. Like who's who? Who's who? Where do Why I go? Do you, who, what's your title? They care about all that. Yeah. Well, whilst I don't, so that's why I'm like, oh, well, if I have a title, what would it be? And I said to the kids, like, can I please be CEO? And it's like, cheap and Yeah. And they're like, Perfect. sure, whatever. <laughs> so you, we've likened you to a midwife earlier in the, mm. the conversation. Um, do you feel maternal to the studio and the girls? Do you feel protective of them? And Yeah, now I do, I think. Like, in the beginning, I guess I was a child, you know, and a child having a child just is, just didn't make sense. Yeah. And I, I guess, like, um, as the number grows as well, you realise you have to adult. As, yeah. as, you know, as the CEO, you know, you can't yeah. just keep doing things the same way because you do have... And I learned a lot. Like, you know, I had to fire people and all that, and it's mm. not the first one or the second one and it doesn't make it easier and no it's never fun (laughs) it's never fun or like even taking someone in like it's you realize you have to be careful because it's not just you it's Mm. like other people as well and i think you know i've made mistakes in the past that i'm not proud of and all that during you know running the business but at the end of the day i guess it's still your business and you're accountable for what happened yeah there and now i feel more than ever responsible yeah doesn't adult me that much yet but I think it will <laughs> eventually and it's 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 learning for me too and I think a lot of the reasons why I went from free or like you know working from someone to freelancing mm. to this yeah is to well one I get bored but two like it's actually learning in different ways through people yeah yeah mm. and I guess um passing on what you know yeah makes me feel really old but it's it's good yeah <laughs> so speaking of getting older do you imagine yourself like your uma when you're 80 years old I think I probably would be well at the moment anyway like I feel like I'm her version if she didn't have to fulfill all her all her social obligations needs, yeah. obligations exactly yeah 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 and uh Dress dress wise, when you're eighty years old, how do you think you'll you'll be styling yourself? It's probably the same thing. Hopefully, yeah. like my size, <laughs> high waisted pants, high waisted pants, <laughs> clean lines, <laughs> long silver hair would yeah. be sweet. Yeah, probably some wrinkles. Yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a bit funny, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably the same shoes. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe with a bit more like heel support. Yeah, and, yeah. A, and a cane. Yeah, still for comfort. <laughs> Still for comfort, yeah. <laughs> All right, Evie, that's um, uh, the end of our interview, but thank you so much for sharing your style story and for being part of Series 2. Oh, thanks for having me. From a little girl, Evie had strong ideas about her path, starting a hunger strike at the age of three so she could wear jeans just like the boys. 
Whilst her tomboyish streak continues to define her style, so does her tenacious attitude towards getting what she wants out of life. Empowered by the kindred spirit she's found in her grandmother, or Uma, Evie's desire to partake in and promote joy comes in all forms, whether it be sharing good food, creating clean designs in cheerful colours, or just wearing comfortable clothes. Either way, Evie leads the charge in following her heart, sharing her passion, and defining her style by simply loving what you do and keeping it happy. If you enjoyed this episode of Style Stories, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening.